0: Or not? There's still a bit more to go. So how amazing is it to have the freedom to come to the house of God and just to allow the spirit to move us okay. and to just know that we're led by spirit filled men and women. You aren't trying to conform and put Jesus into a box are afraid to encounter and move with the new Holy Spirit, but they're more interested in your well being than in the performance. Schedule that we think that we should follow. Oh, man. So it is a really, really, really good day. Um, it's just amazing when we just get to see the things of God just flow such in such unity. We are in the prayer room. It's like I don't need to preach. Like right? we could have just brought that conversation, put it down the room, and we all would have heard what it is. Uh, we all really making the Christmas night. So, this morning I want to share something with you, and it's quite funny that um, Pastor Kirk would have done that altar call and would have addressed the spirit of fear right from the beginning. And he said something quite significant. because It's pointless getting into the word, we haven't dealt with that first. And just as he said that, that was exactly what I was feeling is that you kind of have a look at the, at the order of service and thinking, Where are we going to go now? How is this all going to work out? But God is the God who knows that's. There is nothing that we need to fear when we just know that we're walking and we're moving together with them. And I want to share a, a scripture with you today out Exodus 3. Um, for many of us who have grown up in church circles and Sunday school, we know the story of Moses, we know the story of the burning bush. And when you tend to read that, you tend to have a look at the amazing wonder that took place. And I think in church life, we've spent a lot of time wanting and desiring the signs, wonders, and miracles of God, and perhaps we actually tend to miss some of the key points of scripture. We have just started doing a Bible study and it's about Jesus and women through Middle Eastern events And it has just been just in week one, just the shift that takes place, because the way that we tend to read things is, what does this tell me about me? Whereas when the Middle Eastern people, when they read the word, they say, what does this teach me about God? Mm-hmm. Because how many of you know that you I'm not about to start shaking and screaming and watching you all go crazy. God is a God of order. And he desires nothing more than to get Egypt out of you so that you can walk in the promised land. And there is something that we need to do in order to partner together with him. So bearing in mind how we pretend to now change the way that we read the word out of Exodus 3, Moses has found himself out in the desert. He's having a look after the, the sheep. He's run away because I don't know if you all know the story, but he had committed murder. First of all, he saw the Lord of by being he away. He shouldn't be dead. Yeah. But the call of God on his life. He ends up being raised in the house of Pharaoh. After that, he ends up killing somebody. He runs away thinking that this is just the to him. But God... Yeah. So if you guys think that you've got a couple of to exclude yourself. Just take a moment and think, I if God could do this for Moses. Why would he do this for Moses? So in Exodus 3, the Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them cry out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out into the land, into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivans, and Jebusites. And now the pride of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way that the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, don't you just love this man's boldness, that he would dare to have a conversation back and say, but that I should go to Pharaoh with the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent him to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That would be what we know to be Yahweh. This is what you want to say to the Israelites, I am, has sent me to you. God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. In all of that, it wasn't so that Moses could look good. You don't get saved so you can look good. You don't get saved so that you can just have a get out of hell free hop. You respond to the call of God on your life when you say "Yes, Jesus, I give you my all. I want to get rid of the fear, I want to get rid of the intimidation. Because there is something more, because there is a sending that he does on you. Mm-hmm. You see at this time, the, the Israelites had been held captive inside of them that God can do this again for them. And God reaches out and he says, I've seen your cry, I've heard your cry, I've seen your plan, I've seen how you've been ill-treated, and I'm coming to rescue you. And he sends and he calls Moses to do the bidding for him. I want us then to fast forward to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, when we end off the Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, and when we get to Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, there is a four hundred year period that we don't really speak about very much. It is known as the intertestamental time. It is a time that some refer to as the time it would be the quiet years when there was no significant <coughs> writing of any great prophet that had been taking place. But God, these people of remembrance, this, this culture of community and remembering, had remembered the promises and the beauty of God. They had remembered. In that the Son of Righteousness, he will come with healing in his wings and he will once again be heal with healing. There was a hope and there was a promise that once again was deep down inside of them, but when it started to stir and it came to the surface, they knew that they could hold on to it because they had seen him or they had heard him do it before. And they believed that he could do it again. Jesus continues. I love this one more. She says that she believes that the 400 years of silence it's not that God wasn't doing anything, He was busy preparing the nursery for Jesus to be born.
1: So we don't need the Moses
0: because that's not the fact. So who do we get? Who does Jesus come to come and set free? You and I. He's the answer. He's the same message. We could speak about Jesus every single Sunday and just the salvation message. We sing that song that He is our Redeemer. That he is our redemption. That he's the one who's done all. That God steps in and he brings us the Christ, the Messiah. Why? Because he's heard your cry and he knows that there is nothing that you can do to restore you to a relationship with him. He has seen the oppression of the enemy. He has seen the lies that you've been listening to. He's seen the culture that you've adopted that is anything but his desire for you. And he brings you the answer. He brings you the answer, the one who's able to turn it all around for you. And my question to ask today is not about do you recognize that Jesus is the answer, but what are you doing with Jesus your answer? Because it's one thing to say that we believe in God. There's a distance involved in that. It. It's another thing to say that I believe God on the inside of me, that there is something that even when it is hopeless, there is still hope. Even when there is chaos and sadness around me, there is still a deep-seated sense of shalom, there is still a deep-seated sense of joy inside of me because I know. Do I look like a peculiar and a different person because there is something inside of me that won't buckle under the oppression of society today? Do I carry this hope? So to stand up at the end and say, All of those who came forward to for prayer, when you leave here today, I want you to speak to two people and just tell them about the goodness of the limits as well. You will start finding a few excuses. So, going back to our friend Moses, he led a nation out of Egypt. Not two people, not a group of 200 people. It's recorded that there were about 600 people thousand men, excluding women and children. I think he had reason to question his ability to go and stand in front of Pharaoh to carry out the will of God. That is a lot of people. What if we approach the enemy with that kind of backing? What if we come and we stand and we go, But I have been sent by the king. Not a distant one, but one who lives in me and I live through him. How different would you approach me? And is it different? Because again, it's easy to have this kind of conversation and it's easy to have this kind of thinking that yes, I will do these things, but will you do these things? Will you do these things? Will you allow yourself to be changed and transformed into the likeness of Christ Jesus? Because when God was looking at the and he saw their pain, while is still looking at the people and seeing their pain. Yeah. And guess what? You're an hour of the answer. Yeah. The question is, will we come in and participate with them? Moses needed Aaron to come in and speak for him because he just thought that he's stuck in the much time staring at our own life that we only catch a glimpse of God? Should we not shift that? That we spend so much time staring at God that we catch a glimpse of ourselves and we have such a minor in comparison that we will keep pushing on because even in my mess we turn it into an amazing message. He is able. Do we have that kind of tenacity inside of us until you want to testify just to how life can live it the one way and God just comes in and does something else. Which is always too strong. She's always stood strong. There's a culture of remembrance of the goodness of God. There's a culture of remembering how good God has been and where He's brought you from. We sang that song earlier, which is probably one of my favorites, amazing verse. Because honestly, if you can sing that and remember where you were and where you are today, Are we able to step in and to do that? And then about this time we start to think, okay, where can I serve, where can I go? They're asking for volunteers in the Sunday school, they need somebody to step in and do this. If I can get into the worship team. It's not about where you can work, it's about where you can serve. The greatest leaders are those who can serve. Jesus, we've got a big problem, and Jesus was the ultimate one who just displayed what it looks like to serve. In the Great Commission, he says in Mark 16, he says that the disciples went out and they preached to him the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs and accompanied it. We've received the same ability to serve. Receive the Holy Spirit who desires to serve. And what does it look like to serve? How many people around you do you see going through a hard time? How many people do you just know in your work environment or even in your family who you just look like they're really going to attack all this cash? How many people are facing Death and despair? How many people are facing financial work? How many people are crying out for children? How many people are trying to restore narrative? How many people are just overwhelmed by depression and anxiety? How many people just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Is it possible that when you just simply draw alongside of them and you go, I'm here, let me tell you about the of God. And perhaps you don't even need to utter a word, but just simply draw alongside of them just be there. Be that refreshment. Be that moment where they can just find that they can breathe and they can realize that they're not alone. The Israelites moved in great favour; they moved in great strength because they were together. Should we not be alongside of one another? Should we not be able? to do much more because of who is with us and in us. We're called to be his hands and feet. We're called to be his voice. So, when we leave this day perhaps we could do a little bit of introspection go, what is my hands and feet visible? What do I lend my voice to? so many others. Am I coming into agreements so that when something has ended, instead of being able to prophesy a life? If Ezekiel can prophesy to the dry bones and see them rise up in the army, should we not too be able to prophesy into wilderness environments and see them come to life? How great a testimony to be able to bump into somebody ten years old to so you to be able to spend five minutes with them and for them to turn around the ten and remember when we had coffee that day, I need to tell you that this is what happened. In the last 10 years. We don't need to be the same because we're not. We simply need to represent him well.
1: And I wonder how well
0: we represent him. And I don't just I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to me every single day. We have the opportunity to represent him in a way that just shines his light for the world to see. Him. Believe it or not, I saw something good on a taxi yesterday. Basically, ask me to get a stick on the back. He says, Don't get the pain of your past your prison. Wow, they that just went on taxi. Come But don't let the pain of the past, paralyze your present, and I'll add up all the future. If you're sitting here this morning and perhaps you, you came up or perhaps you didn't come up and you're still going, yes, but I'm not being all that I think that I should be. It's like, oh, my God, where am I back here? Where am I Business, you're going to move with them. If you're focusing on your own inability, on your own fear, on your own failure, on your own past, it's going to keep you stuck and paralyzed. We are called to live to what it does. We're called to live like rivers and lakes. You did not even come out this morning for prayer. You did not come to church this morning just for yourself. Because a lake doesn't go anywhere. But a river moves. A river flows. It gives away. It gives out. And I'm not saying you need to run out of here and have some kind of great message. I'm saying, go out of there, carry the Spirit of God, believing that it to all carrier of His presence, and enjoy Him. He is the greatest adventure that you will ever sign up for. There is no show that you can desire to be on like that would be better. There is nothing greater than coming into partnership with the living God and giving him your yes. Some of you speaking about the power of surrender and in your prayer room, and it's just, sometimes we just need to stop and just listen it. Just like, oh God, I've been trying this for such a long time, and I keep bringing myself into it, but I actually just need to lay it all down again and just say, Jesus, would you please, would you please, would you please, be everything that you call me to be in my life and through my life. In John 7, verse 37 to 38, it says, If anyone is thirsty, then come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit, And those that believed in him were to later receive. We are those who later receive, we receive. If you are a believer in Jesus if you have given him your yes he has given you his spirit. You don't need to question it. You don't need to doubt it. You don't need to spend too much time worrying about it. You just need to get to know him. Okay. You need to live with him. And if you are afraid, there's another beautiful saying that secrecy is the enemy to intimacy. Do me a favor. Just take a moment to realize that he is the all-knowing, all-powerful God. There is nothing, and I mean nothing in your life that he is not aware of. You could be sitting here having thoughts like, kind of all going crazy, and he's aware of it. And he doesn't run from you, he runs to you. I will this that the Jewish people, they don't refer to the parable of the prodigal son the part of his son, refer to virtue as the running father. Because it's not about the boys. Yeah. It's about the heart of the father towards his son. And if we would just change our posture to receive of his goodness, if we would change our posture to realize that there is nothing that I have said or done that can keep me from his goodness, there is nothing that I can attain in my own ability, but that when I open up my eyes and I see that my father comes running, with joy, with excitement, that he loves to love you, that he laughs. The first time I heard somebody say that God laughs, I was like, What? But then she says it in a that he laughs. And I heard somebody else say, Would Jesus not laugh when he knows that he's going to overthrow all evil? Can you imagine his confidence knowing that he has done it all? Can you imagine knowing that as a young child, when All if you only know what's coming in 20 years' time, these things you're trying to figure out how to just deal with it all. How much more should we not be full of the Holy Spirit? Know that we walk as conquerors, that we walk as those who are overcomers, not because we're great, because God is good and He is present. So how did you send me putting place in prayer and To anybody, this is full of dry bones and an inability to move because they're stuck in their past. I want to speak to every cast, heart of every blind eye and dead fear to awaken the Jesus name. I thank you, Jesus, that you're in this room, that you are not moved by feeling, that you are moved by truth. And the truth is that you and there is freedom in this room this morning. There is freedom available to us here this morning. There is freedom to drink of His goodness. There is freedom here to, to eat where you feel the hunger that you need. You don't need to go digging, you just need to open your mouth and receive So, Holy Spirit, I pray a blessing over this house this morning. I pray, God, in the hearts will be awakened to your goodness and to your power and to your presence. I pray, Father, that when intimidation and inferiority would come knocking at our door, that we would remind him of who he is, defeated, and who we are, called and anointed, in Jesus' name.